Hi everyone, and welcome to the place where we discuss all things communication. This is Guide to Awesomeness, powered by Coldwell Banker, Ronan Realty. What is up, everybody? Jonah here, the host with the most. I'm joined here today with Victoria Terrio. She is the founder and owner of Disc Hover what works. She's a certified DISC, GIA, and EQ analyst, as well as a certified team facilitator. She specializes in behavioral profiling, coaching, team building workshops, and is a keynote speaker. Victoria helps raise individual and team performance, as well as notably improve client service. She recently co-authored a book which recognizes women who lead by example in the everyday pursuit of success, happiness, and achievement. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to get started today. Thanks for having me, Jonah. I'm excited too. So just to get things started and get the ball rolling, for those that don't know, what exactly is DISC? DISC is really a behavioral model. It identifies four quadrants of human behavior and how they affect the way we show up in the world and interact with each other. DISC is an acronym. So it's D is dominance, I is influence, S is steadiness, and C is compliance. Sometimes people will change the word for D. A lot of times now I notice people say directors or drivers. DISC was really created in 1928. We're looking at some of those words from back then. So dominance was the word. It is technically the correct word for it. The guy who developed it, his name was William Marsden. It was done at Harvard University. And it's a really interesting way that it has morphed and developed into something that can be a really good tool to use. Interesting. And the concept of DISC and that four-quadrant factor, would you be interested in going into a bit more depth as to what each of those mean? Yeah, for sure. D being for dominance, people tend to be very direct, determined, goal-oriented. Sometimes they can come across a bit blunt, and sometimes people who don't have that profile might find that intimidating. This really ties into a lot of the work I do in terms of really making sure that we're not misunderstanding the behaviors that we're seeing. Ds, you'll often find they are leaders because of the fact that they're risk takers. They like to start things. They're big picture thinkers. The next one being an I. Eyes are influencers, so they love to be surrounded by people. They're very outgoing, gregarious, and natural ease, charm. Often we will find that they are in things like sales or things that are very people related. And I think we might get into this in a little bit, Jonah, but this one might ring a bell for you, the high influence factor. Steadiness, they're listeners versus talkers. So where eyes that I just talked about were really more about talking, S's tend to be the people who listen. And so because of that, sometimes it's hard to get a read on them. They like to be always helpful. They're usually in supportive roles. So we see lots of teachers, health professionals, things like that. And they're very tenacious. They like to finish everything they start. Oftentimes, the I's and D's that I just talked about are the starters, whereas the S's and the C's, which I'll get to, are more of the finishers. So S's are very much, don't rush me, let me do this right, let me follow through. C's being the fourth one, standing for compliance, very much about wanting to understand things, get things right. They are lifelong learners. They want to know all the facts and details. They're precise. They can be perfectionists. And they will never be swayed by an emotional argument or anything. Everything needs to be analytical, detailed, factual in order for them to make up their minds. 
Oftentimes, we will see high Cs in professions such as accounting, engineering, or even things that are creative too, like photography, composing, all that kind of stuff. Didn't want to go on too long about all of those, but hopefully that gives you a, a brief overview what each of them mean. I think so. And what would you say makes this personal understanding so important? <laughs> I'll try not to go on too long for this too. One of the things like work-wise, if you want to relate it for that, it's really good because it highlights what your natural strengths are. What I believe and what I do with my business is never really about pointing out, oh, that's not great. That's not great. Sure, we can all improve, but I really believe in finding your zone of excellence and staying in there and thriving, surrounding yourself with everything like that. Because when we are passionate like that, we get fueled at the end of the day. We're not depleted. It's great at identifying that. What are your work strengths? What alignment do you have to a job role? You know, some people, there's never ever a perfect disc profile, but there are profiles that are more suited to certain roles than others. And of course, communicating effectively with others. I mentioned it's really good at enhancing self-awareness. For instance, we know what's going on in our heads, but nobody else really does, right? The question becomes, how are we coming across to others? How are we showing up in the world? What tends to happen is we often view others through our own lens. We're looking at behaviors and we think, oh, if I was acting that way, I would be feeling X, Y, Z. And so then we assume that that's what that person's feeling. When in fact, we might be giving the wrong intention to that behavior altogether. So a good example of this is high Ds. High Ds are quite often misunderstood. People feel often intimidated by them because they are so direct. They speak confidently. And when they are saying things like that, sometimes someone who's got a low D might think, oh, they're harsh or they're being a bully. And the reason that that's happening is somebody with a low D is much more likely to be that accommodating, cautious, for them, if they were ever finding themselves in a situation where they said something very directly or bluntly, they would probably have to be so hopped up and worked up and mad. And so they assume, oh, that's what's happening with that person. This is really a key point because I can tell you from working with a lot of teams and offices, these are the things where breakdowns happen because people don't understand, oh, shoot, we've misunderstood that. That isn't bullying behavior. That, that person is just really confident, direct. They are not intending that. And for them, they don't realize, oh, shoot, not everybody's wired like me. I, I guess <laughs> maybe I need to tone that down a bit. That's really why it's super important. Understanding how you show up in the world, right? If you maybe are a high D and you didn't realize it, having this, you think, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize I was coming across this way to people. And then for the low D, it allows them to say, okay, I have been ascribing the wrong intention to the behavior that I'm seeing. And once we really understand ourselves a bit, how we're coming across, it really helps us build a bridge to connecting with a different personality type. And that's really the essence of what I do. Okay. And, and I love the fact that it, it kind of connects back. So on a previous conversation with other guests that I've had, we talk about empathy. Mm. And in a sense, empathy relates to that same process. But now what we're doing, we're not only putting ourselves in their shoes and putting their, ourselves in their position, we're then understanding where their position is coming from and why they're in the position they're in to better than assist, help, engage, whatever that case may be. That's a great point, Jonah. Exactly. Often I will find that one of the other things I do, and you mentioned it in the introduction, is EQ, which is emotional intelligence. One of the cornerstones of emotional intelligence is empathy. And it's very interesting. So that example I gave you of high Ds, 
high Ds that have a lot of self-awareness and empathy don't tend to come across the way that high Ds who don't have that empathy. So exactly what you're saying, being able to say, wait a second, like, yeah, I'm viewing the world through Victoria's shoes right now, but what if I were to step into Jonah's shoes? Is that now going to be different? Am I going to interpret that differently? Am I going to react differently? Absolutely. That's a great point about empathy. And I guess now to dive in, as you mentioned, you know, being in your shoes or being in my shoes, mm -hmm. what sort of things would you uh, be willing to share just in <laughs> regard? I know I'm willing to share anything. I'm an open <laughs> book. I'm okay with that. But uh, is there anything you're willing to share on your own? <laughs> of course, you're an open book because you're a super high eye. That's good that you want to say it. So again, listeners, that's high in influence. Visually, I'm just showing this to, to Jonah, but we're talking about as high as an eye can get. It gets way up into the gray zone, which means not only do you have those eye attributes, but you have them in abundance. It's also your soul factor. <laughs> Sometimes people have two factors or three factors. In your case, it's, it's just that eye. And so, yes, of course, you're willing to share. One of the great things that I love about high eyes is they really wear their hearts on their sleeve. They're out there. They're not really afraid to be vulnerable and to share and all that stuff. So that is often why they are in professions that are sales or, you know, relationship-based because they are so good at opening up and people feel very drawn to them. And so I don't know, Jonah, you can tell me, I mean, if, if that's been your experience in life, but I think that people are always very drawn to high eyes. Yeah, I would definitely agree to that. I think I've changed as I've gotten older. I would say that mm -hmm. probably high eye has been kind of a common thing, but I've definitely seen as I look back at previous times, it's it's definitely adjusted as I've gotten older and come into kind of who I am and what I want to be. Yeah, for sure. And that does happen. I mean, when when we do these things, depending on our jobs, they can kind of evolve a bit. But your eye is so high that I don't, I don't think I think you're always going to have it. And again, listen, it's an asset. And I know this podcast, there's a lot of like real estate people listening and contact. So a lot of the listeners, a lot of the people, Jonah, that you work with, I would say salespeople are overwhelmingly high in eye. And I, I will always teasingly say it's the secret sauce in sales. Doesn't mean you can't do it if you don't have it. It just makes you naturally inclined to do it. And therefore, you're really kind of rocking it because you're in your zone, you're comfortable. And that's ideally what we would all want in our jobs. If you wanted to ask me about mine, I guess we couldn't be more opposite <laughs> because you have one high factor and it's the influence factor. And I have three high factors. <laughs> and guess what my low factor is? It's the I. Yep. There you go. And people are often surprised by that because I guess if they see me speaking or engaging and they, they're sort of thinking, oh, a lot of that is I. But I think what a lot of that is, is my so my highest factor is an S. S's are the ones that tend to be listeners versus talkers, but they very much come from a supportive place. They really are interested in having an impact, in watching people grow and develop and doing whatever they can to help. And so that's really where my high S comes in. It's followed by high C. <laughs> uh, and I think the producer of this show, Heather, could probably <laughs> understand. I think she's seen enough of my perfectionist and detail qualities to to say, yeah, that's true. I do really like to be uh, prepared. I really need information before I make decisions. And then I have a midline high D. And I think when your D is in that position, it usually speaks more to things like drive, motivation, 
versus the other one. So it's sort of this midline one. The eye being low, the, the best way I can explain that, it's not that I don't enjoy people or talking, but what it is is people with high eyes are very good. And you can tell me, Jonah, if you find this in your life, people with high eyes are, you're really spontaneous. You're, you're gut thinkers, right? You're like, yeah, I feel this in my gut. You know, you kind of really go with the feeling. Whereas people with low eyes like myself, would never make an emotional or impulsive decision, right? I have to go through my checklist first. I think really that's the main difference. I think that's where my eye falls low because, you know, I would never do something spontaneously, impulsively that's just not in my nature. Yeah, I can definitely account to that. <laughs> Even recently, I can say, you know, buying Christmas presents for people, sometimes it's just, oh yeah, that, that works. I'll just take that. Fine. I don't really think about it. I just go with what I think is right. Yep, that's it. That's a high eye. And I honestly, it's one of those things. I feel like it would probably be a little more refreshing to be that way. I can always see, you know, like I say, there's no profile that's perfect. Uh, we all have our strengths in them. We all have our challenges. But that sounds refreshing to me. <laughs> it sounds very light. And, and you know, maybe I can strive to have a little bit more eye in my life. But I will say I have had my moments where I wish I had a thought something out before I did it. I've definitely, definitely yeah. had those accidents. Well, exactly. And that's that's just it, Jonah, is that there's this ironic thing. Do you ever notice in life where our strengths can be our actual challenges, right? So for everything that's a strength, there's always sort of a flip side to it. And I think it's important that we don't just tag things one way or the other. Like, yeah, it's a strength, but it could also be a challenge in this way. And that's okay. It can be both, right? The strength of that eye is obviously making connections, it's fun to be around people who are spontaneous. And then I guess the flip side of the word spontaneous is impulsive. <laughs> and then sometimes you're mm -hmm. like, well, maybe I should have thought that through first. But again, I think it works way more for you than it works against you. That's usually what I find with eyes. I like to think that it does at least. <laughs> but a great, uh, great segue with that would be the fact, you know, with talking about challenges, what challenges do you see individuals and companies face when it comes to better understanding how they work with, you know, DISC, EQ, anything like that? Yeah, kind of what I touched on, I guess, a little bit before especially in the real estate sphere, and just to keep this relevant to this podcast too, I would say that the number one issue I see in terms of office cultures, teams, is people assuming the wrong thing. So seeing a behavior and saying, oh, that must mean that. I kind of gave you the example of high D and low D. Let me give you an example of, say, the steadiness factor. As I said to you, high S's are very much about wanting to do things thoroughly, correctly. They don't want to be rushed because they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to feel overwhelmed. Versus low S's, people who have low S's, they really like to multitask. They have this restless energy. They, they don't mind starting 10 things and not finishing them because they think, well, at least I got it started. Often I will find a disconnect in an office environment or a team environment, whereas you know the low S is saying... I don't know why it's taking so long for this person to complete this project. Like I could have done this in whatever time or what have you. And I, I can tell you every time it's that low S energy who, who can at least start it or do it. And to a high S that feels very chaotic. It feels incomplete. So they think, well, why would I start that if I'm not going to finish it? And they might say to that low S, sure, you've, you say you've done 10 things today, but did you finish any of them? That S factor tends to be a huge disconnect. And I feel like you're having a personal reaction to that, Jonah, by the head oh, nodding. 100%. 100%. And, 
here's a lot of the issue. Quite often, let's say a team leader, a broker owner, manager, what have you, quite often they tend to have a low S and they're used to doing things like setting the course, big picture thinking, maybe not involving so much details and so much implementing, but coming up with the idea, taking the risk to do it. So for them, it's sort of like, yeah, okay, let's get this done. They're not really in the weeds. They're not really having to follow it through. They're the idea people. Great. We need them for that. And they're well aligned in that role. But then the people who are implementing it, they're the ones where they're a little bit more careful. They're a little bit more cautious. And guess what? You need them to be. If you're if you're executing on something, you don't want there to be mistakes. What I always have to sort of tell them is, hey, if you want this quality result, if you really want to have this finished properly, you you have to understand this person needs the time to do it correctly, to follow it through. By putting pressure on them, you're only going to make them sort of go into panic mode. And that's not great. This is really where it's key is in terms of not taking things personally. So when I'm running a workshop, we always have a lot of fun with coming up with some team building activities. And, and I'll always say to them, you know, let's, let's depersonalize this. Let's not use somebody's name. Oh, somebody's doing this. So let's say it. Okay. I think your high D is coming across this way. Or could you please provide my high C with more facts? My high C is like starving for facts. So please write them out in an email to me. And everyone usually ends up laughing and joking. And it takes the sting out of any kind of conversation Let's say it's Victoria and Jonah. Well, no, it's not anymore. Now it's Jonah's high eye is looking for this. Victoria's high S is looking for this. And it sounds subtle or it might even sound silly, but when you're in that exercise in that environment, it's really incredible the results that come out of that. It, it really helps people say, okay, here's this tool. Here's this mechanism. We're going to apply it and we're going to see some really good results from it. I like that idea and I can see that working really well in a larger group setting where you've got multiple people with the same sort of personalities that it's it's going to take effect on everybody and they're all going to have a better understanding and realize, hey, you're the same as me. Hey, you the, you're the same as me as well. Exactly. It's funny because oftentimes people assume built-in compatibility <laughs> if they have the same profile and that is not always the case because, uh, you know, for instance, 2Ds, sometimes when there's two high Ds, there can be you know, a little bit of a power struggle because they tend to be leaders. They're very strong. They're decisive. I also find often with, with two Cs because they can be very perfectionistic and like, this is the right way. That's the wrong way. Well, what if you have a difference of opinion on what the right way is? The two of you, it's sort of like, who is more right here? Sometimes that implied compatibility doesn't exist. And then ironically, often we are very drawn to our opposite. I've told this story, you know, lots of times when I'm on podcasts is that in the real estate field, because I do support a lot of that, I end up doing a lot of teams and a lot of teams, as you would know too, Jonah, are our families and our husband and wives. Because of that, I've had the occasion to do profiles on, on a lot of married couples. And I can tell you that nine out of 10 of them have opposite disc profiles. And I should add happily married couples. <laughs> so there's something to that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I, I think is interesting, you know, I think back to some of the people that I worked with in college, you know, taking a, a program that was specific around advertising and marketing and sales, mm. thinking that, you know, we're all going to have the same mentality and realizing, okay, we don't. But now thinking about, you know, the disc profile and understanding, okay, you know what, that person was actually more C, this person was actually a more D. It, it's really interesting when you look back at things and situations that you've had, realizing, hey, that's actually why this happened. 
Absolutely. And, you know, ideally we do want to have like a well-balanced team. We want to have all the factors represented because like I said, fit for role. There's certain things where, hey, you want a high C checking details and processes. You want a high D to maybe, you know, take a risk and set the course. You want that high I to be the one connecting, networking, making good impressions. And you want the S to be that supportive, good listener, sort of the the mentor counselor type. So ideally, if you've got all of them represented, you're really having a a really smart strategic plan for your business. And then the next part becomes, okay, let's just make sure now that all of these different personality types, let's make sure we can all kind of come up with a common language and let's make sure we can all speak that language so that we ensure we're all on the same page. Exactly. And, you know, you've talked a lot about obviously what DISC is, personality, understanding that kind of concepts. And I think from understanding what you know, you you definitely obviously enjoy the work you do. You you do like it a lot from the sounds mm-hmm. of it. But why why do you do what you do? Mm. And further, how has this knowledge that you've gained changed your life? Yeah, good question. It's it's one of those things. It's funny. I've just always been drawn. I've always been drawn to the complexities of behavior of different personalities. I've just always been fascinated with, oh, why would that person do that? Or why would they why would they say that? And then just the impact of that in the world. I've always been drawn to it. And it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, we have all these commonalities, but then how do we understand and reconcile our differences? And so for me, I think I probably had a lot of frustrations growing up in terms of being fascinated when I'd see somebody, you know, going off or just, you know, having some kind of conflict and me thinking like, oh, why is this happening? Or is there a better way? And so when I discovered DISC and really understood, I guess, the impact of, oh my goodness. So I'm one of those people, I'm guilty as charged at looking at someone who was a certain type and wrong intention, right? Saying, oh, oh, they must be this way. Oh, they must be that way you know, very binary thinking that, you know, I'm right, they're wrong. And when I really got into this is like, ooh, a, a real awakening. So I mentioned before about languages, I honestly felt like I uncovered the code <laughs> to a secret language. And then I thought this is this is a language that can be universally understood and spoken once you have the tools. It can make potentially challenging conversations easier and done in a more constructive way. It's really about Disk is a tool. You can add it into your toolbox. This will help you find a way to connect with this person and make sure that we're not just being put off by the person's approach, but that we could actually be on the same side. We could actually be saying the same thing and just sort of missing it. It's one of those things where I feel like, oh my gosh, I discovered this. This really helped me figure out some things in my life. And then it became, oh, I got I to gotta share this knowledge. I got to see what I can do and spread it around. That's really why I do it. And I think that's great because in the end, I mean, that's that's the whole concept, right, is when once we know something, we want to be able to share that with everybody else. We want everybody else to know we want to because in the end, you know, we just want to make each other better, especially when it comes to understanding who we are. Exactly. And, you know, with S being my highest factor, right, that's the one that really likes to sort of help people and see them succeed and do that. And that would be my motivation. Plus, I also have this thing. I'm not sure my family would totally agree because (laughs) they can see me. I get so frustrated if I can see that people are like misunderstanding each other. I could be in a conversation. I can hear another one and I'm thinking, oh, no. Oh, gosh, no, that person is saying that. And and I have to 
control myself not to like jump in and sort of referee and I don't always control myself. So sometimes I do it. It's just, it's one of those things. And so I guess I'm always like, Hey guys, here's a mechanism. We can, we can figure this out. So note to self, let's not go to dinner with Victoria at a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten much better. Really. I have. I think that's a great note to sort of close off on, but I do have a few more little questions for you if you're willing to answer them. Sure. All right. So the first question is, what is something you do or use to ensure that you are always striving to work productively? Uh, Productively. That's funny. That's a high D word you're using, Jonah. I always tease Mm -hmm. my husband. That's my husband's favorite question to ask when he comes home. Did you have a productive day? (laughs) Because I do have a high C in my profile. I do a lot of lists. So I'm definitely a list maker. I have stuff in my calendar so that it pops up at me. So actually I'm putting it in as an appointment. So if it's a task, it will pop up at me. And then if I have to get rid of it, I have to put it into another time. Like I can't just delete it. I say to myself, okay, that popped up. Have you done it? If I haven't done it, then maybe I move it into the next day, but it never gets deleted. There has to be accountability. So I have to shuffle it around until I get so fed up with seeing that thing. that I'm Like I better just do this. That's really probably the best example I can, I can give you of that. And what is one habit that has transformed your life? Oh, okay. I don't know about transforming, but in terms of like my day to day, I really always try to get some exercise in, honestly, more for my mental well being than even than my physical well being. That was super hard in COVID. It was very challenging because I, I do go to the gym and I couldn't go to the gym for a long time. I made sure I, I went for a walk, but I would say that that's something that I really try to do every day. If I, if I don't go to the gym, I try to go out, get some fresh air, get a walk. I think it's a really good time to, it's almost meditative and I am not a meditator. I know that's <laughs> probably what a lot of people would say. And you know what? I aspire to be able to do that maybe, but for me, walking is meditative in terms of just thinking, considering sometimes ideas will come to me, but it's just a very enjoyable and healthy way for me to do that. And that's the thing. If you're going to do something like that, you have to enjoy it, right? Exactly. Finally, if you could write a chapter in the Guide to Awesomeness, what would the title be? The title for me, I mean, I'm going to make it not too long. I might just, I'll cap it and then I'll explain what it is. It would probably be, it's never too late. And where that comes from is you mentioned in the introduction that I was part of a book uh, that was published. There was 365 women. I was one of them that just told our stories, you know, all about being entrepreneurs, business leaders. And I used that quote. There's a quote by George Eliot about it is never too late to be what you might have been. And because in my story, I talked about how I did not find this career right away. It was something that I probably took me almost 20 years by the time I solely focused on doing this. And I think a lot of people feel they have to know what, know what they have to do right away, you know, and, and, you know, I have a teenage daughter who has those concerns. Oh, I need to know what I'm doing. I don't know. And I'm always saying, you know what, you can figure it out and you can change your mind. It's never too late. That's really probably where it would come from is that I really kind of found this passion well into my working career. And like I say to people, what if you then got 20 years out of it, 10 years, even five years, wouldn't that be worth it? That's my chapter. <laughs> it's very good. I like that idea. The fact, you know, I, I can think to myself about the fact that I've gone through the same thing. You know, I started thinking 
You know, I can go through, I remember I actually wrote a speech back in elementary school talking about the things I wanted to do, be when I grew up and how oh, they wow. changed, you know, rodeo clown and a scientist <laughs> and a race car driver and all kinds of crazy things. And then, you know, high school changed it, college changed it, and then leaving college changed it again. It, it everything and who knows what will happen. Exactly. We're always evolving. That's the thing. And I don't think, certainly me, I think a lot of us don't realize that we're, we're younger. I certainly didn't. But we're always growing and evolving and we're capable of change. And, and so I think if we go into it with that mindset, I think it's freeing. I think we don't have to be so focused on, am I making a mistake? Is this the right thing? Is that the wrong thing? We always just have a look at it that way. I think that uh, it's limitless, our opportunities. And I think that's a great note to end on talking about the fact that, you know, understanding who we are as individuals and then realizing that we can change, we grow, we continue to learn and we continue to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you so much, Victoria. I appreciate you coming on here and um, I really look forward to, uh, to being able to talk with you more in the future because I'm sure there's more things that I would love to be able to pick your brain on. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks, Jonah. Thank you so much, Victoria. I really appreciate you being on here. For our listeners, how are they going to be able to hear from you, reach out to you? What sort of uh, connections can they make to, to hear more about what you do and who you are? Thanks, Jonah. They can check out my website at discoverwhatworks.org. I'm also excited to say I'm launching a podcast. It's called Discovering You, where I'm going to talk about all this kind of fun stuff. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the awesome people and awesome things we talk about. This is Jonah reminding you to be awesome today and be even more tomorrow.